0: Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson.
1: Joe and Josh, welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Excited to have you here to bring in another insight into the world of business and into people into new business where you guys are at here. You guys are one year into your business right now. You guys are actually in a similar field that we are here, but you're in Pensacola, and I'd love to dive into it and see, obviously, how maybe I can help you guys today, add some vision, and maybe you guys can give me some good insight, too, of working in that area as well. So, guys, thanks for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Excited, to, You know, I'm young also, too. I'm only 36 years old. I know you guys are in your 20s, but it is very refreshing, of course, to see people that are getting into the industry. You know, I... I would say probably about 7 or 8 years ago, I thought of it as like the best opportunity in timing and it still is for you guys that the original starting people here in South Florida who started their businesses and same thing in your area are starting to phase out of the business. So I've found it to be unbelievably opportunistic for getting on bids for cities, for HOAs, you know, how people handle people, you know, it really is a little bit of a bell curve. You know, when you start out, you're very young and aggressive. And the longer you do it, sometimes you get more complacent. And then the longer you do it, maybe you just don't want to grow your business anymore. And then eventually you want to sell. And, uh, you know, my brother and I, Jeff, have purchased seven different companies together uh, and acquired and rolled them up into Nature's Experts. And we're continuing to grow our company. So I'm excited to kind of dive into your guys' company. If you guys could tell me a little bit about it, I'd love to hear about it.
2: Yeah, so we do, We it's a fencing and landscaping company, and we build uh, and sell fences, and we lay saw, do garden bed design, uh, patios, walkways, stuff like that, and so far, we've been doing a lot of residential, but we've been getting into commercial lately, and we're, we're starting to grow, we're starting to run two crews, and and it's it's been pretty good so far this year, but that's the scope of what we do, our business, so.
1: Well, to give you guys a little bit of advice on the residential side. So one of our companies is Sherlock Tree Company. We have uh, Coastal Gardens, we have Diaz Brothers, and we primarily focus on high-end residential. And our tree company, as you guys, like you said, you're mentioning to wanting to get into the commercial side as well, is never lose sight of the residential side mm-hmm. that you're continuing to always grow it. So on our for our tree company, Sherlock Tree Company, we have about 50 people that work for us. We're extremely busy. We go after municipal HOA, um, new developments, land clearing, absolutely everything. So by large, the larger the company we've become, we keep getting, going after larger, different jobs. The thing is, is that you don't wanna forget about where your real base is because your pricing structure, your overhead, your crews, your consistency, you wanna keep building that from the beginning. And we were analyzing last year, what we did, it was our best year yet we've had. But at the same time, it was actually probably the most consistent we've been in doing our residential, which is not supposed to be consistent. It's supposed to keep growing. Right. So we didn't change our marketing. We didn't change our approach. But I think we did lose sight of reaching out to more customers, making sure to keep developing these strong relationships, making sure to you know, follow up with them on the proposals, and different stuff like that to really make sure that we're taking care of that base because you just don't know who you're going to meet in the residential sector who might be able to help you with the commercial side, with a new relationship, with referrals. And it really is a great source because it, it's you have to spend a lot of money in advertising towards the residential side more than mm-hmm. you do the commercial side. The commercial side is really network and relationships. The residential side is marketing and outreach and a lot of estimates. All
0: right, 100%. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. I mean, we found the same thing just in our first year, the connections you make just with random people on the street as you're working. Somebody walks by, oh, you want to do this job? Or, oh, my father-in-law, he's this or whatever. And those connections, building those relationships in residential has really opened up a lot of doors for us. So it's, it's really neat.
1: It really is. And I think starting in the residential side, you're definitely putting in all the, the hard, necessary work to take care of the customers versus going straight after the commercial work, you're kind of skipping that step of really understanding customer service because there are all different types of people, all different types of circumstances, and being able to see those and to kind of educate yourself on what it takes to visually kind of point out problems before they happen is a really good tool for people to kind of learn. But unfortunately, you have to learn these through like the hard lessons of making a mistake, having to, uh, you know, fix something that you might've broken, you know, so on and so forth. All the normal courses of business, especially within your first year. Right. Yeah, so are you guys working in the field also too?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much. Like it, towards the end of this, um, we're closing in on a year, like I said, a year today. It, it's We're slowly getting to the point where we can be more hands-off in the day-to-day, like working on the ground and doing more business stuff. But up until this point, we've been you know, pretty much at every job the whole time from start to finish. So it's been very busy, very busy.
1: I bet. So the thing is, there's two of you guys. So when it started off, me and Jeff, we purchased our first company. It was Sherlock tree company. We purchased the company. It had a bucket truck, two dump trucks, and a little book of business. It did around $400,000 worth of sales, but there were only four people. So I was one of the four (laughs) and, um, there were two uh, Spanish ground guys and one other tremor with us. That was the whole company. Yeah. And I for the first three years, I was out in the field, leaving the field, doing estimates, going back, watching yep. through trimming trees, cleaning up, having extra change of clothes in my car, <laughs> answering the phone in my car, Be absolutely developed. exhausted by the end of the day. Right. And uh, you know, the second that you start making money, it starts to almost make you not want to give it up. So I definitely recommend for you guys that you know as the business starts to you know make money, there's definitely a big dip if you want to really develop an asset versus something that can really spin off a lot of money for you. Because mm-hmm. particularly in the landscaping field, keeping it small, you can make a lot of cash and you can make a lot of money individually by not having management, not having as much office staff, because some of the tasks aren't overly complicated, but it does stop your ability to grow. And to really develop a company where it's actually an asset versus you are the asset.
0: Right, right. Do you have any, any tips for that? Um, I know you've been in the business a long time for as far as like kind of working yourself out of the trenches and finding people who are like capable to kind of take over some of those aspects to free so, you. So
1: uh, describe a little bit to me, how much are you guys doing in sales and how many crews do you have?
0: We did um, about 300, 350,000 in our first year. And we have two crews of about two Which, to three guys.
2: Yeah, we started from scratch. Like right. we, we we got the name of the company, went out, made her on flyer, hit the doors and stuff. So at first it was slow. Uh, we started in March, it picked up. And by December, yeah, we had done just shy of 400. And now going into finishing up January and February, we're looking at doing like a million in sales this year. So steadily growing. And Amazing. If,
1: I would definitely say the million mark is where you guys should start looking for having maybe someone to help in the office. Besides that, you guys are lucky enough to have two of you, you know, yeah. was myself and my brother, but my brother was running our other business at the time and I was running the tree company. So we divided and conquered. You know what I mean? I, I still was uh, having a salary and income from that business and he was getting an income from this business, but we kind of divide and conquered for you guys. You both have each other. The thing is, you definitely want one person to be watching operationally because you have a different awareness of the business when you're not on the job. So and I would call my brother and I would be like, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted. These guys are assholes. This is the worst day ever. I just can't do it anymore. So on and so forth. You do need to have someone with cooler heads to prevail to really be able to bounce that off of you guys. So whoever is better in the field should be in the field. Whoever's better in the office should really be working towards office, sales, uh, business strategy, that kind of stuff. If you guys are at like, you know, the upwards of, you know, close to a million dollars right now, because it's, it's important you watch out for every dollar in the field. And obviously make as much money as you guys currently can right now so you can reinvest it into the business. So there's no need to have extra office staff because there's two of you. Right, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you do want to make sure that you guys are using your best assets you can. So it, is one of you guys more operational than uh, Field? Are you both more operational? Are you guys one of them more tech savvy? Or like, where do you guys fall exactly?
2: He's definitely more tech savvy than I am. I mean, mine is like the tech stuff, I feel like we split it up pretty evenly and that's it's that's it's hard for us to let something go and okay you have this and i have this we do a lot of the same things we just try to split it up amongst ourselves which just it it takes a lot more coordinating right constantly coordinating calling all the time okay you do this you do this but we do a lot of the
0: same stuff i feel like both of us are good operational and it's tough it's (laughs) neither of us do the office too well we're literally like i don't know I feel like having somebody to do the office at some point would be really nice. It
1: It is really nice, but it's also really nerve wracking. And the thing is, is that no one's going to know the business as well as you. So the thing is, is that you want to have the most awareness of where you're at and how you want to run the business, because you're not going to get somebody in the landscaping field likely that's going to have more experience than you, even though your only guys are 21, 20?
2: 27, uh, and 20, 27, 20,
1: 27 and 20. So, the thing is is that you're not likely to find somebody that you guys are going to be willing to pay your particular salary that's going to have more experience than you. Right. right? So, our size company, we hire people at a different level where we're actually able to hire people with experience, but it's at a much higher price point. That's not what you guys need. The first thing you need is to literally just take things in a straight linear line and literally have someone answer the phone calls, organize the calls, organize the estimates when people approve work. Put it on a schedule. Keep the schedule literally in just a straight line the best that you can and just keep building it from there and let them just take along those simple tasks where it takes a lot of the brain power out. Because i found whenever we did, we had a whole bunch of clipboards. So we started, we had tons of clipboards. There was this big wall um, and eventually it took up another wall and every approved job, there'd be like first week, second week, and then there would just be like other random clipboards everywhere. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's how we started, and um, at first it was like easy. Like, all right, yeah, this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, this person doesn't want it. I'm going to pair this job with this job because this one's 500, this one's 1500, so on and so forth. So we did that, and uh, you know, it, it became stressful. You know, doing a million dollars in sales and then doing it with by paper is like really stressful, and then to be out in the field and then be exhausted when you come back. And then answering the phone and being like, Hey, this is John. Hey, how are you doing? How can I help you? It is absolutely exhausting mentally and physically. So I definitely recommend earlier on to help kind of continue your growth is you don't need somebody with unbelievably special talents. You need somebody who is personable and friendly and to literally answer the phone, take their information always be um, available to the customer, getting them answers, holding both of you guys accountable to get to the answers to the customer. And then literally the schedule was the biggest deterrent for me for growing more so because you can obviously change it and you can move people up and so on and so forth. But not knowing how far you are out is really stressful and it makes your brain not work in certain ways. So literally just being able to have somebody in the office say, you know. Hey, you guys have this is the jobs in order. Your goal is to have X amount of thousand dollars a day in business and they pair it up that way. And then obviously you guys can review it once a week and go from there. But at the same time, that's where you really can start. So to me, I think that, you know, when you guys cross the million dollar mark, you hire somebody who's maybe under $20 an hour, who is really personable and nice, and they work on those two core focus things where it really can give you guys a good idea of where you need to focus the business next, but you're solving a small problem, but something that you guys aren't particularly good at because using your ability in, in um, you know, technology and developing your website and doing marketing is a full-time job. Right. So don't discount the ability of marketing and um, what you can do with either pay-per-click. We use actually this company called Alta Vista down here. And we've gotten actually really good resources from that where they do like these large email blasts for us uh, that we got a lot of commercial leads from. And there's a lot of other resources that you have to just constantly be willing to try things. Just continue sure. to keep trying things and trying them and trying them and trying them. And something will work, but you literally have to spend the money to know what doesn't work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And So have you found that the emails really, really work? Because that's one thing I was reading about and thinking about heading into the spring is like trying to put together some sort of an email campaign for marketing.
1: It, so. Ah, uh, Josh, who's in charge of our business development, said to me, "He's like, hey, I got this thing, Alta Vista, and what they do is they have like a database of property managers and HOAs and so on and so forth, and they send out, you know, emails like it's you to them. Sure, but then they track the information, they record the call, they get the information, and they give it to like a pretty, pretty package to you where it says like their name, their information, all that stuff. But at first, I was like, what's the big deal? It's an email blast. You know what I mean?" Like we literally can do it ourselves. Yeah. But he's like, we could, but they they get these kind of results. I think it makes sense. I think it's worth it. I want to say it was like $1,100 a month. So down here, there's like this convention that there's one for West Palm Beach. There's one in Broward. There's one in Miami. And you can buy for like $800. You can buy their whole email list or everyone who attended the uh, campaign, which I think is interesting. But I'm like, you know... I don't know, like, is it really going to work? Does it really even matter? You know, why not just do it myself? And we ended up doing this just after talking to them and they talked about their different results. And we've only done it for like two months now. And in these two months, we've literally gotten 15 leads the first month and then five so far. Or no, we got 15 the first month and we got around 15 the second month also too. And they are humongous HOAs. They're all the right customers none of them are garbage. And um, when, you, when you break it down for these HOAs, you know, it's, it really is the dollar cost average. So the dollar cost average ultimately is you know, the lifetime value of the customer. So when you're dealing with a commercial customer, it can, it's obviously more than a residential customer. So by dollar, you need more residential leads generated, like if you're doing pay-per-click Than if you're doing something like this, this, it's more about the caliber of the lead. So like one of the leads that we got was for a community, all they wanted was one Royal Palm removed, no big deal. So we go to the community, there's only 1500 homes. So we go into the community, give them an estimate for the Royal. They're actually getting their tree trimmed right now. Like, Oh my God, we hate this company. They're doing such a bad job. So on and so forth. So we give them a price. They accepted the proposal for doing the removal. And then now we have the opportunity to bid on doing the whole community later. Unfortunately, that's a year away now. But nonetheless, it still is an opportunity, you know? So it's like, you know, that one particular opportunity can be worth a limitless amount. So I think it is really kind of figuring out that I wish I would have done when I was younger was focus more on, a, on each category And then how you want to grow each category and then allocate money towards each category. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, your residential side, you want to make sure you have visibility. So you want to make sure you have all your social medias. You want to make sure you're doing some sort of pay-per-click. You want to make sure you have your, um, you know, pages up and everything for Google so people can locate your business. All the basics, right? You need to have some sort of visibility. So doing pay-per-click is definitely good, but you figure out your budget. All right. So that's your residential side kind of, right? And then you figure out your commercial side. So in your particular area, how can you focus on doing commercial work, right? So we use this AltaVista. We obviously have a, a very large network of arborists and different people that work for us. So we have lots of ongoing relationships. So we do publications. We do um, this. We do email blasts. We, do, we have a newsletter. We have our podcast. We have a, a lot of different things that we do. But figuring out, again, an amount of money that you want to spend for your particular area to go after that type of customer, and then making sure you keep, keep and retain those customers, you know, is really the biggest thing. Sure. Yep. So uh, what is your guys' next step for wanting to grow the business? So you're going to break the hopeful million-dollar mark this year, which would be amazing. Yep. One year to do it from nothing million is very, 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 very impressive. And they better watch out for you guys where you're at. So what is the next step after that then?
0: We're actually talking to a guy later today about um, coming on to help us with some of the office stuff and with some of the kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, He's going to kind of help in the field as well as he's needed. He has some of the expertise to be able to help with answering the phones and Set up estimates and scheduling and stuff like that. Yeah, we're going to interview him right after this. So
1: Well, all right. Well, hopefully I can give you guys a little bit of insight of yeah. uh, what to ask for. Sure. And the thing is, I think that, you know, where you guys are at, you guys need to see what other people do are doing. You know, what I did at that particular stage was see what other people are doing and then make it my own. You know what I mean? I like how I noticed this, these trucks around. I like how... Um, I see their ad campaigns online. I like how, um, you know, I don't understand how they get these leads. So figure out how they get those leads or how they get those customers. You know, when you kind of start understanding where everyone's territory is too, as far as like, you know, some other companies might have really good relationships with one particular property manager. So it's like, don't waste your time going after that property manager. They like using, you know, that particular company, but there's so many out there that it's completely limitless, you know? So let me ask you guys a couple of questions. So what are some of the first questions that you guys are going to ask the person you guys are going to hire?
2: We already kind of had like a pre-interview like a few days ago. And it was kind of just, so he has some managing experience, several years of managing experience and just asking him what he could, like how he could help us with organizing and coordinating and stuff like that. Because we kind of want a buffer too, between us and our employees, like the laborers, we've got five laborers and then us. And he's kind of going to be like a face between us um, where they can reach out to him. He can reach out to us. And
0: he has, we talked to him about like asking him questions, how, cause at the company he worked for, he kind of set up um, the time clock system. He helped them scale. He helped with onboarding new employees and training and stuff like that. And we right. kind of wanted to feel, feel him out for how experienced he was with that and how he could kind of help us with getting some structure as far as, um, Getting more organized. Yeah, he wrote their handbook and everything. And so he's he's really
2: like super organized guy from what I can tell and just helping us with that sort of stuff.
1: Got it. And so uh, if you don't mind me asking, what is he looking to get paid?
0: He's looking for between like 43 and 45 a year.
1: Interesting. I would think somebody like that would be looking for more.
0: Well, he likes the
2: idea of, so I knew him... Back in college and he's looking for something that's growing. Like he knows what we're, what we're doing, how much we've grown in the last year. And he wants to get on board while we're still small at that. May. Like he's willing to take that salary in hopes that he can grow with the company. So.
1: Yeah. I'd say for that, for that salary to get that kind of expertise is really is pretty unique. You know, originally I was thinking, as you guys are saying it, I'm like, listen, like somebody like this, they're going to want 60 or more thousand dollars a year. And, you know, I don't think that time buys you what you need exactly. You know what I mean? I think you guys still have some lessons to learn before you need to pay somebody like that. But to pay somebody, you know, $45,000 a year, that time really does buy you a good amount of time. And that's what it is supposed to be, is expand you to say, you know, all right, because you have to replace that now in profit. That $45,000, you got to replace with new profit now. But Mm. I would think that both of you, where you've done in a year, it'd be pretty easy to figure out how to replace just that amount of money in that one particular task. So I think that that's really smart of you guys. And you guys are lucky that you develop those relationships. And um, that's one of the major things that actually helped our company. We have a company of 200 people. We have five different companies and we have four different offices and uh, a good amount of the management that worked for us. I've known in the industry and I didn't go after them directly to come and work for us. I just knew them. I was friends with them. They saw what we were doing, what we were creating. And in time, they, you know, I was like, would you be interested in coming to work for us? And slowly but surely, different people that I've known in the industry have come to start to work for us. And we've really kind of created a unique place here where we allow people to do their jobs, but we provide the best kind of backup and resources and wherewithal to really support those decisions because it does take a certain unique skill to really be able to support higher level management. So as you guys continue to grow, you need to know the answers. So what that actually means is that with a little bit of information, you're going to need to be able to convey to them what the right thing to do is, but it has to actually be in line with exactly what they think the right thing to do is, because that's how they feel supported. Because you're not going to get the whole story. This person's going to say this, this person's going to say that they're going to explain a situation and they're going to say, what do you think I should do? And the thing is, is that you have to know what to do. So it's really important along the way that you guys are developing the skills to really be able to support your management and then get people that are speaking the same language that you guys are also too, because you don't want to have that like back and forth where they have a different way of operating the business versus you do but you need to be able to support them where they feel supported. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's really a good point of advice. I like that.
1: There's been like, you know, with, we have 30 different people that are part of our management team. So all of them call me at all different times with all different situations. And the thing is, is I told you my first business that me and my brother bought together after we grew from our flower shops to doing subbing out of the landscaping and the exterior uh, plant maintenance and the holiday decorating and lighting and all that stuff. And we purchased the tree company. I really, I've really, i been in every situation because I've done every single function of the business in such a granular level. I know what the right thing to do is. I know what like a problem looks like. I know what a problem customer looks like. I know what a problem employee looks like. You have to know when to be fair and when to be hard. You have to know when to take a risk, when to let somebody do their thing. Like it, it really does take a lot of time and involvement to do that. So I think that it's, it's great that you guys have each other, but it's definitely really important that you both have different styles and different things that you're good at, but you're both on the same page even when you're not together. Yeah, right. right, for sure. right. So me and my brother, he is very aggressive. I am very analytical. The thing is, though, is if you ask us both the same question about our business and how to handle the business, or an employee, we both answer it the same way. We're both polar opposites. Like we're both like I'm analytical. He's he's aggressive and he's a salesperson. I do sales by knowledge. He does sales by feeling and just being very personable and outgoing. So yeah. polar opposites, right? And um, it's really important, especially that you two get on the same page to make sure that you're both communicating and thinking the same way. Because the second that you people can go to, it's like the, it's like the mother and father thing scenario, you know, if you don't get what you want out of your mom, you go to your dad, right? yeah. Yep. It's a dangerous road to go, you know? So it definitely is really important that now you're bringing somebody else in, definitely use his knowledge, but make sure you're supporting him, supporting each other, but that you both are on the same page no matter what, you know, and that the direction of the business, how you want to handle a situation is exactly where you guys want to take the business.
2: 100%. Honestly, from the get-go, I think we've been on the same page because when we started and we were talking about a partnership, we obviously read a lot about partnerships, the pitfalls and the benefits, and and definitely wanted to be on the page from the start. And I think we've done a good job of that so far in our first year. And uh, I honestly, to everyone who, who has said, oh, a partnership is not a good idea, I think the benefits so outweigh the like I understand if you're greedy and prideful, it's not going to work, but if you can make it work, there's so many benefits to having a partnership Yeah, yeah. and it's been, it depends know. how you
1: look at the world. Some people look at the world as like a finite resource. Some people look at it as like unbelievably abundant and there's room for everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So the thing is, is that the world is very abundant. If you don't, there's room for everybody and there's room to grow your business to whatever heights and levels that you want to. And it's not mm-hmm. taking away from anybody else. It's just growing and developing developing what you can. And, um, you know, I'm definitely a big proponent of partnerships. I think that it's important because it's a unique, especially in entrepreneurship, it's a unique situations that you go through and these trials and tribulations that only, you know, you can really express and doing it by yourself is really difficult. And, you know, you might not need the other person Every single second, but when you need them, you need them, you know, and typically when one person's uh, down, the other person's going to be up and you can kind of pull each other up, you know what I mean? To kind of Uh keep each other going. And it is really valuable, I think, to do that. And it's important that you guys definitely develop your skills in alternate ways. You know, it doesn't mean you can't do some of the same things. You know, if you both like doing sales, do sales. But there's different functions of sales. There's different types of sales. There's different customers of sales, right? Right. So it is important that you both actually bring value to the table to each other Mm. for the business, but for each other the the bigger the business gets. Unfortunately, the less you're going to make, you're going to make, you're going to start making more money and more money and more money. And then after you get to a certain growing level, you have to get so much management that you actually make less money because you actually have to get up to another level to where right. your management and your sales actually go, go along with each other. Because you don't really get to pick how quickly you grow the company, what kind of management you get, what kind of opportunity of management you get. You, know, you might find somebody really good and you're like, I got to hire this guy. We can't not hire him. You know, he's going to go work for the competitor or um, you know, we can just figure it out. Because at the end of the day, you want to figure out what, is, what are all the tools that you need to grow your business. You know what I mean? And ultimately, you're in the service business. It's people, right? So it could be you hire somebody who has a really good uh, network of sales, right? And they already have a little book of business. It doesn't pay for them. It's a little bit of a book of business. So great. Bring that person aboard. Maybe they can take in the sales function, right? You meet somebody else who um, was the operations person, and they're really going to take away, you know, one person in the field because they're going to be more efficient with watching the crews. Great, hire that person on, let them do their job, and then figure out, obviously, you two how you can funnel in more sales to the lead, to the salesperson, to where obviously they can operate and they can do more also too. So, um, any other questions you guys have for me? Actually, here.
2: Yeah, what got you into like? Um, I should have done my research, but did you go to college for business? Like, how are you? How are you so business <laughs> minded? <laughs> Like what you- uh,
1: how am I so business minded? So I uh, am more of a, a fight or flight kind of guy. So mm-hmm. when I was younger, my uh, dad had gone to prison several different times. I had my first like full time job when I was 13. I was a host at this place called Tippin's. It was a breakfast place in St. Louis, Missouri. And I literally had worked full time since I was in eighth grade wow. and worked at restaurants um, nothing special, but literally every single job I had, I was I started at the bottom and I worked my way up. And uh, in high school, I was like the kitchen manager at the melting pot, went to college, um, was not very studious in college, actually. I have a lot of aptitude, but I'm not like book smart. You know what I mean? For sure. Failed college algebra three different times. Still didn't graduate college, actually. With my degree was going to be in hotel and restaurant management. Met my brother Jeff when I was 21 years old, from um, my dad's first marriage. Met him, changed my life entirely—the way my outlook of life, outlook of business, and the uh, what business actually is. So at the time, he had seven flower shops, did interior plant maintenance, subbed out landscaping, subbed out tree work, and did holiday decorating and lighting. Business did like five million dollars a year. I met him, and I was like, I didn't even know a business like this exists. You know what I mean? Like I was so not understanding to the level that you're at. that I was like, wait, like it was this multicolor wall. Like there were all primary colors, like pastel and yellow and orange and red. And, you know, like a typical flower shop. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, I didn't even understand. I'm like you can make money doing this. And then you're operating and you're like in this area where it's like very grungy and like nasty and whatever. And it really opened my eye and he took me under his wing um, where I started, where I came down here for one summer, came down for one summer, and I was here for a month. And he's like, why don't you stay and just finish school here or whatever? So I'm like, all right. I was literally just breaking down boxes, throwing away trash, cutting flowers, sweeping the floors. And then whenever he had meetings with his managers, he'd bring me in. He'd be like, John, come here. You know, let me introduce you to this person. And he literally did that like all summer. So I decided to stay, went to uh, FAU. Trying to continue my schooling and so on and so forth. And I can only do I can, I'm definitely smart enough to learn in front of people. I'm not like that wasn't my focus anymore was was school. So I couldn't learn independently. So I actually didn't finish school, actually, and really just got more into business. I literally have like, I don't know, 12 or 16 hours left, like to graduate, but the degree is not in what I, not what's going to matter to me. And it wasn't the best use of my time and energy. So it was after two years of being here, you know, my brother, I had cut flowers, process flowers, sweep the floors. Uh, and then I'd start going with him on sales meetings. We'd start spending time together. I'd be shadowing him. He, uh, was around 38 at the time I was, you know, 21, 22, 23. And in 2013, we started looking around. We're like, you know, we are subbing out a lot of work. Like we really, it's kind of dangerous to be subbing out a lot of work. Cause like, what if your subcontractor wants to raise his prices? What if he quits? What if he gets irritated? So on and so forth. Right. So we started looking for a business. And uh, shortly before that we were growing our holiday decorating and lighting business. So I said to my brother, I'm like, we should buy a bucket truck. We've been moving around these lifts and uh, it's so expensive. It costs like $25,000 at the time to move around these lifts to do holiday decorating and lighting. So I'm like, we should buy a lift. So I found one. It was like $60,000. Bought the (laughs) lift, got it down here. It was a two man bucket lift, did it for holiday decorating and lighting went fantastic. I'm actually the one who'd be putting up the holiday decorating and lighting. I'd be driving the bucket truck. I'd be working at night. I'd be working at day. It was, it was a lot. So continuing to move forward from there, we got the bucket truck and my brother, uh, we had this person we subbed out tree work to. So he's like, Hey, can I use your guys bucket truck when I do tree work? We're like, no problem. Cause we obviously made money on his work and then you know, obviously charged the cost to the bucket truck to the customer. So we were doing work at this Pompano business park, which is right across the street from where we actually purchased our tree company, which is Sherlock tree company. So Jim Sherlock, who is the owner of Sherlock tree company, saw our bucket truck there in the process of selling his business saw it, wrote us a letter, said, hey, my name is Jim Sherlock. I'm selling my business. Um, I see you guys do tree work or wonder tree work. wanted to know if you're interested in buying my business. So we literally met this person, Jim Sherlock, and went into his office. It was a tiny little office. It was like 10 by 15. It had like 15 motorcycles in it and then like a desk shoved up in the corner. And so I'm like, my brother's sitting on a motorcycle. I'm sitting on like a filing cabinet. We're talking to Jim Sherlock. And at the time we're like, you know, is this the right thing to do? You know what I mean? I want to say it was only like a We had a bucket truck, two dump trucks, a bandit 1890 and a whisper chipper. I want to say it was for like $180,000. We bought all that. I mean, the equipment was old. It was all 1999, <laughs> 97. So it was old equipment, but it worked, you know? So we ended up making a deal. We purchased the uh, business. We purchased the property, the property we bought for like a few hundred thousand, uh, I don't know, like three or three or $400,000 about the land also too. So we had a location, we had a dump, we had shippers. we had a stump grinder, we had bucket trucks, we had dump trucks. Like we were, we were set. So my experience came from literally when we hired, there's Jim Sherlock, there was Arnaldo, there was Juan, there was this guy, Kevin, and that was it. And then there was me. So I was number, I was number five. Okay. So Jim Sherlock stayed on with us for like six, 60 or 90 days or whatever. And then it was the four of us. So I was answering the phone, trimming trees, um, driving the truck, dumping the truck. This guy, Kevin, left at one point. So there's just three of us had to hire somebody else. That's, of course, very stressful. So literally all of my experience literally came from just having to figure it out and having a burning desire to make sure that I, you know, my brother gave me an opportunity to be successful and you know he was paying me a really good salary at the time also too and i'm somebody who i never want to take money out of anyone's pocket that i'm not that they're not benefiting also too you know especially cuz he gave me an opportunity he gave me an opportunity i don't want to waste that opportunity so i uh-huh. literally would work from morning to night i would do the work during the day get everyone set up make my calls during the day at the end of the day i'd drive on my way driving home i'd do estimates and the business really started to take off, actually. You know, it had, did $400,000 a year. I remember we bought it in October. In December, we were worried we were going to run out of work. So we were like, literally had like a couple of days left of work. And we're like, what do we do? You know, like, what do we do? And I remember that feeling so to my core that I literally feel it right this very second. As I'm thinking about it, of how scary it is not to have work. And not to, um, I'm somebody like, I don't, I I love nice things. I have a lot of nice things now, but that's not really what matters to me, really. I want to make sure I take care of everyone in the business. And it scared me that I wasn't able to make sure that I was providing for everyone that worked for us, that they need to be able to be here because I can do with less, right? But I have to make sure I take care of everyone that's working for us to make sure that they can take care of me. And it really was like a very humbling experience to not have any work at that time. And then to literally get like a job the day before to be able to carry on the next week. And it was really a very like shaking to the core experience that I literally will never, ever, 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 ever ever forget. And I remember literally after that, I worked tirelessly to be like, I never want to feel like that again I don't want to get in that situation. And I literally worked my ass off to make sure that we were so backlogged in work that we were always three and four weeks behind. You know, obviously the crew size has changed. Right. You know what I mean? One to two to three to four, so on and so forth that um, we would always be so backlogged. And I never wanted to work really close. Like, listen, like we're a few weeks out, like we're in a high demand company. We're a few weeks out. That's how we operate period. And Um, It really worked well from there, but it took that really intense situation to really kind of like, you know, shake me to my core to know what is necessary and how I need to take it seriously. Cause you can't really ever let off the gas, you know, you just don't know when you're going to get these waves of work. And this month you might get a ton of work and for absolutely no reason, the first two weeks of next month, you might not get a lot. Then it carries you through it. And then the next two weeks you do get a lot. (laughs) And that's the service industry. So it's really knowing your customer base and just educating yourself tirelessly to figure out what is needed next. What is the flow of business? When do we need to be expecting to ramp up with people? When, you know, for like seeing what the business needs next is really like the main key. And where I've gotten my experience is firsthand. It's figuring it out. It's, you know, I went through the phase where, it was, I was making the most amount of money. And then when we started acquiring other companies, I'm actually was making the least amount of money. So I've done it all. But again, I'm not here particularly to kind of figure out where I can make the most. I want to have the thing that I can be most proud of at the end and the best asset that I can create at the end. You know what I mean? Which means that there's lots of sacrifice lots of bills, lots of expenses, lots of obligations, lots of responsibilities. But it is really the only way if you want to really have like something really worthwhile in the end, if you only worry about yourself and making money, you're going to have something where you are always going to be stuck to the business and chained to the business versus a functioning, moving, fluid business that can actually run in different forms and fashion with and without you.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. That's, Really interesting because I've seen some of the. I mean, I've worked for several other companies before, and I've seen in the area like the owner's been with the company for 15, 20 years, and he's still out there a lot of times, like doing the work himself. He's got one or two crews.
1: Nobody wants to actually go backwards ever in life. Right. But it's, it's that's what it takes in the service industry is because you have to know where you want to go and what you're going to need when you want to get there. Right. So, I did a shit ton of work um, before we even hired our first estimator. Like we, I think we were doing close to $5 million a year before we even had, it was like four, I think, before we actually had a full-time estimator.
2: Is that and, hard to let go? Estimator?
1: Um, you know, at a certain point, so I, it's me and my brother, right? So mm-hmm. at a certain point, we're making a lot of money. I had paid him back uh, money he had put down towards business. We had paid off the business. We had actually purchased another pest control business along the way, also as well. Uh, We paid for that in cash. And, you know, I didn't, I'm willing to deal with less, but it's hard to make sure that your partner is also willing to take that on as well, too, you know? So I felt like I was letting him down, even though he told me it was okay. So, like, I was pushing myself literally to, we had like a, so we did holiday decorating and lighting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So during that time, I would literally work like double, double time. I'd work at nighttime and I'd work it during daytime. And cause get, I'd get a, a bonus based upon how well we did at Christmas. So I'd do the managing, the operating, the setup, the takedown, all that stuff. And then I'd actually help with doing the lighting and everything while doing the tree company as well. And, you know, I never wanted to kind of take away from him. So I always felt like moving forward and having doing that, it would be taking away from him because it would be making less. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he was always a proponent of like, no, like we need to have somebody, you know, it'd be great for the business, so on and so forth. And, you know, I think our mindset, both of us, wasn't quite as vast and abundant at the time as it is right now. Because as we've purchased the last three companies, um, we've made significantly less, but we do significantly more. And our overall net worth is significantly more than it was when we were making more, right, okay. if that makes sense. Last year, we did $25 million in sales between all of our different companies. And um, you know, I think on paper, we made the most, you know, according to your tax return. But in actuality, with how much we had to reinvest into the business, we probably made the least. All right. Right. So it's one of those catch-22s where the business is worth the most it's ever been. Technically, we made the most we ever have. But of course, the, all the functions of running the business, how much cash it takes, how much you have in receivables, how much you have to reinvest in new equipment. you know, Obviously, operating a business of this scale, it's vastly different because it requires so much more money. So we grew that much in... I mean, so in 2013, we did four and a half or five. So we've grown you know that much since 2013. And I want to say it was in the last three or four years that we went from like 10 to 25. So it's a lot of reinvesting. You know, We purchased some businesses that obviously have helped, but we've probably, I'd say our business for us, we've, per- we've purchased companies that represent half of the amount that we've grown the business. So we've organically grown the business 50%. We've strategically bought business to help strategically place us in markets with people, with management, so on and so forth to actually help us with that next level. So it might be something that you guys want to get to to where maybe you guys get to the, you know, three or a few million, like, you know, two, three million dollar range since you guys are growing so aggressively. And then maybe try to do that with you two, this other office manager, hire another woman uh, or man to help in the office. And then maybe strategically you find you know, another company that's close by that can kind of get you into a market in which you're not. Sure. There's lots of businesses for sale. I definitely (laughs) would say that is something I strongly recommend to people is to grow by acquisition, uh, especially if, you know, you're cash flush and you have a lot of cash because why not? You know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, Are you buying businesses mostly that you like have a working knowledge of how of like the, the industry that they're in? Or are you just kind of buying them and letting the people there? I mean, you obviously get some knowledge about it, but you we've Literally,
1: we've we've done it all, right? Okay. So our tree company, zero experience. My experience was if I want... So we bought the business, right? We knew it was a good business. We knew they made a lot. That's about it. Past that, we were like, okay. So to me, I asked myself, how do I become a professional, right? I didn't graduate college. I had this burning desire to be a professional. I need to be an arborist. So I studied to be an arborist. Studied and became certified in all these different credentials. Our company is now tree risk assessment qualified. I'm a certified tree care safety professional, I'm electrical hazard awareness uh, certified as well. I am, uh, our company is TCIA accredited. Like we have every single thing that would make us a professional company now because if I had that desire to be like, the only way to be professional, I guess, is to have all of these different things. And that's what we did for the tree company. And the landscaping company, the first company we purchased, it was actually a company that we were a subcontractor of originally. So it was called Diaz Brothers. Diaz Brothers would contract Sherlock Tree Company to do tree work at some of their residential houses. And then years had passed and we looked at different businesses that were for sale. And this business broker that had helped us in the past said, hey, there's this company, Diaz Brothers, that's for sale or whatever. Would you be like, oh my God. they?" have the best management, they have these amazing houses, so on and so forth. Of course, you know, you open the door and it's just so many things are fucked up with the business. But at the end of the day, we're like the quality of work was that, is amazing, so that means the employees are amazing. Right. The management experience that we had was amazing, so that means it's really what we're looking for. We're looking for a strong management staff, right? But what they made, how they charged certain customers, how they did things was all fucked up but I, we knew how to fix that. You know what I mean? Because I am definitely much, I'm extremely business savvy and understanding what it takes to operate something because I started on such a lo- low level of expenses and then built my way up to it. So I really understand on a granular level what it costs to run a business. You know what I mean? Operationally speaking. So that business we bought with only experience in subcontracting landscaping, not doing it in-house. We bought it because we had so much landscaping business that we were subbing out that we needed a solution, so we purchased a company. and then besides that, I have a natural leadership ability. Uh, my brother does. I actually when I was a kid, which ironically, this is, I guess things that happen, I actually went to like two or three different leadership like camps when I was in like middle school and high school. thought it was so stupid. I was like, oh my God, I'm like I'm such a nerd for doing this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, truth behold, it actually, you know what, I've really come back around to all of that and really started to educate myself more and, you know, what I don't know now, you know what I mean? I've learned so much from just my eyes and ears that now I've come to a point where I'm, I'm actually looking for outside information now, where I read a lot. Now we have a business coach right now. Um, that's really been great for us. I'm actually doing a book club with our business coach right now. Think and Grow Rich, best book you could buy probably, if you haven't read it.
2: I've not. I've heard of it, never here's, read it. It's the,
1: the best book. Okay. Absolutely the best book. And the thing is, your mind has to be in a certain place to receive a lot of the information.
0: Sure. Who's the author?
1: Um, it is Napoleon Hill.
0: Okay, cool. Looks like that. Yeah, awesome. We'll have to look it up.
1: Literally the best book for the last few years, I've I've done a lot of reading actually. And you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, like I said, you need different skills at different times. You know, I think that if you guys like to read, definitely get into it, but you know, you guys are smart. You know what I mean? So you've gotten this far, you guys are going to get really far. I'm super impressed with both of you guys.
2: Awesome.
0: Thank you. and We appreciate all the information you've shared. It's been really interesting. Of course. Of course. course. It's possible to get a lot bigger than we are. So that's cool. To see it it done.
1: absolutely is. There's much more out there than you even think. Like you know, you have to kind of just keep expanding your mind of possibilities and opportunities. And um, I literally didn't think we were going to get here this quickly. Like I wanted to be one of the top 100 landscaping companies in the United States, and I was like, oh man, the lit. Like this was however many years ago. Like oh, it's 25 million. I'm like I was like 23 or two at the time when I looked or whatever. So I was like, that's where I want us to get. I want us to like one day. I want us to be one of the top 100 landscaping companies. That was my like driving force. And uh, I think we're actually like now it's like a little bit more up. So I think you have to get like 26. So hopefully next year, nice. that'll be the year. We'll literally be one of the top 100 landscaping companies. That was my goal. That's where I wanted to be. So now that we've cru- now we're have we going to crush that, then now-, now on to the next thing.
0: Cool. Wow. That That's, is really cool. That's awesome.
1: Well, guys, it was great having you on the show today. It was super nice meeting you guys. If you ever need me, of course, reach out to me. I'm happy to be a resource to you guys and help, uh, help you guys in any way I can. Thank you for joining us on the Cultivating Success Podcast. If you would, please let everyone know where they could find you on.
0: Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you.
1: You bet, you guys. Thanks for joining us today.
0: This has been the Cultivating Success Podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.